I know you don't believe me, but I did have it working this week. It did not crash, and now it did. So anyway, uh, we are continuing in our series in John. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. Um, if you don't have a Bible, feel free. We've got a few Bibles in the back. Um, you're welcome to use one of those today. If you want to take one home with you, you certainly are welcome to do that as well. And um, um, it is, uh, that's one thing that is consistent with this church. The Word of God is crucial. It has, it has the authority to speak into our lives. And everything that we do, um, everything that we say, we try very hard, work very hard at making sure that there is a solid foundation for that within Scripture. And so um, we, I would encourage everybody, um, have your Bible, bring it along. Um, let's make that an undeniable part of who we are and of our worship here on Sunday morning. So we are going to be in John chapter 15, and uh, we're going to start reading at verse 18 and just going to the first four verses of chapter 16. So John chapter 15, verse 18. Here John writes, uh, these are the words of Jesus. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know Him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with Me from the beginning. I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Uh, and indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering a service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you 
that when their hour comes, you remember that I told them to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that, that we can know that, that what You have given to us here is truth. We can know that, that the th words that You have said and that You inspired Your followers to record for us help us have an accurate picture uh, not only of who You are, but it also helps us understand ourselves and understand the world that we live in and understand the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we thank You for this encouragement that You have given for us here this morning. To know that, that even though we live in a world where, where there are those that would hate the very essence of who we are, that, that they would hate You in us. That it's only because of where they are aligned and where their passions and where their um, affections lie. But as we trust in Your Spirit, You will guide us to be witnesses and testimony. Lord, as we look closely at this passage, I just ask that... Uh, that You would help us to understand uh, what is being said here. That You would help us to understand what it is that You are trying to communicate to us and that we would indeed be encouraged uh, by Your words here today. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever found yourself trying to impress people? And then after a little while, all of a sudden realize that these aren't people that you really like hanging around with or really want anything to do with. That happened to me when I was in grade nine. I, I, I count myself quite fortunate. Um, I grew up in basically the same house right from age two all the way up until my years in college. Uh, my dad moved to Edmonton and started a church there in Edmonton when I was two years old. And they actually continued in that church till um, after I was married, which is a little unique for a lot of pastors' families. There's usually a lot more moving around. And so for me to be able to, to grow up not only in the same church, the same community, actually in the very same house was just a unique privilege. I had all the same friends. I, I, I really never had to go through that experience of making new friends, except for grade nine. And I don't want to, I'm not going to get into all the details, but, but suffice to say, my dad took an unofficial sabbatical when I was in grade nine, and we moved from Edmonton out to Vancouver. And we lived in Vancouver for a year, and there in my grade nine year, I had this opportunity where I was in a brand new school brand new community, didn't know anybody around at all, and having to make friends in that place. In my class, in my homeroom class, uh, there was a guy that sat beside me, and, and thinking back on it now, he must have been 
somewhat isolated as well. Um, I, thinking back, I don't remember him having a lot of other friends and stuff. Um, and so he and I just kind of, we were sat together right from the beginning and, uh, and just started hanging out. And I found myself trying to impress this guy. Um, just kind of that, that was the guy that I thought was going to be my friend. And so, you know, I, I did lots of things to, to try and, and, and connect with him and, and to be friends with him and do stuff together. And, and, and unfortunately, he, he was a bit of a jerk. And that may be why he didn't have any friends. I, uh, that could very well be possible, but he was very brash, outspoken, um, loud in class. Uh, he was cruel. He would bully other people. He was quite a tall, strong guy. Um, always wore camouflage, had all kinds of military stuff on him and, uh, and, and was cruel to other people, was cruel to me as well. And yet I kept on finding myself wanting to gain his approval and to, to hang out with this guy. And it was, I remember it was, he, he had done something particularly cruel to me. Suddenly I figured, why am I working so hard to try and impress this guy when I really, really don't want to hang out with him at all? There, there's, there's very little about him that I want to be a part of. And, and fortunately at that point I was able to, to recognize that and make a turn and start looking for some other friends that, um, that would be, that would, that would fit me a whole lot better. It's kind of what I'm seeing in this passage, what Jesus is talking about. That, that, that he's, he's in some ways setting out this, it's, it's like a menu in front of us with two, just two choices. We can be loved by a God. A, 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 a splendorous God, perfect in every way, loving in every way, moral and upright, this glorified God who has created us, the source of everything that we have, the one who loves us perfectly. Or we can choose to have, to chase after the affections of the world, whose deceitful lies, self-centeredness, and everything else is opposed to all that God is. And, and we, Jesus is setting up that, that asking the question, who, whose love are you going to pursue? The love of this wondrous God or, or the love of the world that, that really has very little to do with with the purpose for which we've created that brings very little fulfillment and, and satisfaction and joy in our lives. It, it seems like somewhat of a no-brainer of which choice that we would make. And yet I keep on finding myself going after the one that, that, that really is not who I am at all, and, and chasing after the affections of a world that is in its very essence opposed to God and everything that I want to be a part of my life. And Jesus is saying, whose love are you seeking 
to pursue. Um, there's an interesting point in all of this. And an important point that I think that, that we need to bring out. I was... It was actually after three or four times of reading through this passage before I came on this, and I was getting ready to come up and, and give a sermon that was going to say, we need to, if we are, are, if we are, are experiencing love from the world, we're in the wrong place and we're missing out what God wants for us. And we need to be pursuing God's love. And, 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 and it is when we are receiving a, a approval and, and affection from the world that we're in the wrong place. As I read this passage, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. And there's a couple of things that, that indicate that for me. Right at verse 18. If the world hates you. There's a possibility that, that, that Jesus is opening up here that, that, that the world might, doesn't always hate the followers of Jesus. In fact, there are some times when we see the world embracing the followers of Jesus. Just as we saw in, in the life of Jesus, as we've seen through our study of John, that there were many times that people embraced Jesus with, with the, the, the challenge of his message and all the rest of it. And, and, and there was many people, the crowds were following, those, those that were after him were, were, were all on board and seeking after him and, and, and receiving the, the blessings of his miracles and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And there was a love for him. But when, when the chips were down, when, when suddenly the reality of what Jesus was, was, proclaiming to them became revealed suddenly all of those supporters start slipping away into the background and even more significantly we will be seen in the coming weeks take up the cry crucify him crucify him so that that if at the verse 18 I think is important for us to realize and, and, and I know that I can sometimes beat myself up when, when I am, when I'm not hated enough by the world. That somehow that that is showing that I am pursuing the love, the affections of the world rather than, than of Christ. It can get me into trouble. I think another place that we see that is, uh, in, um, in verse four of chapter 16. And so bookending this whole passage, it says, but I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you will remember that I told you, told them to you. The implication of that is that when that, of, of when that hour comes is that that hour has not yet come. That, that, that the disciples were not yet experiencing the hate of the world. And there were going to be times when they wouldn't be experiencing the hate of the world, but, but there will be a time when your stance before Christ, when your love for Jesus, when your commitment to following Jesus and to His truth that is proclaimed here in this, in this, uh, in this scripture for us, 
That that's going to be something that the world is not going to like. And the people that, that you thought you had their support, that you had their love and their affection, are going to turn on you. And as Jesus said, they will hate you. They will persecute you. They will celebrate the killing of you. Because they will see that that is the greater good because they were able to stop that thing that they hated. And what is it that they truly hate? Is it us? It's Christ in us. And even even beyond that, the Father, God, the Creator of all things, they hate God and so therefore because you represent God, that hate is transferred to you. But this message, I think, does call us to reevaluate some of the priorities that we have put on not offending people. That in our evangelism, we need to, to be sure that we aren't saying anything that is going to put people off because we don't want them to hate us. But instead, we want them to embrace the good news of Jesus Christ that He will save them. I think if we get caught up in trying to soft sell the Gospel, if we try and, and, and pull some of the punches that Scripture has here about the reality of what is morally right and wrong, what happens isn't that we have given people an opportunity to experience Jesus and accept Him for themselves. All that we have done is we have offered them a false understanding of who God is. And a false relationship with someone who is not really God. And it gets them no closer to real salvation because they are worshiping a God that is all kind and gentle and doesn't ever say no to anything. Now that doesn't mean that we are going to go out of our way to be condemning that we should be out there saying, you're all going to burn. Or that we should be in people's faces all the time and saying, that is a sin and you got to repent of that or God's going to destroy you. It isn't a call for us just to be obnoxious just for the sake of making people hate us. I know some people that are kind of like that. And, and they, they almost seem to revel in the hate of other people and... And the hate that they generate has less to do with the gospel of Christ and more to do about them just being really annoying kind of people. Uh, that's not what we're going for. But we don't change the truth of God. We don't undercut what the Bible says is sin. 
We don't hide from people their need for repentance in a transformed heart. And we don't steal away from them the power of God to change a heart that is bound and determined for sin. I, I know we, we live in a society where there are all of these um, ideas that are being changed and transformed about uh, people's identity, about people's uh, uh, ways that of being, where, how they are born and what they have choices over and what they don't have choices over. And while I understand the need of, of supporting people in their journeys and, and wanting to, uh, to, to give them an opportunity of growing and developing and understanding God's love for them and His transforming power, if we steal away the truth of what God says is right and wrong, of how He has created us to be, we're robbing people from the opportunity of encountering a God that can transform those things in their heart that they think they cannot change. And so we need to be careful that in our evangelism, in the way that we are sharing the good news of Jesus, in the way that we are living before other people, that we don't try so hard not to offend that we rob them of actually encountering the real Christ in their life. And the question that we have to ask ourselves, are you ready to be hated by the world? Is the, uh, the affection and the approval of the people that are around you so important to you that you are willing to compromise in your relationship with Christ in order to be able to garner that kind of love and support from the people that are around you? Or are you... Are you convinced that what Christ has said is true? And you are committed to allowing Him to proclaim that truth through you into the lives of other people to give them an opportunity of encountering the real Savior who wants to save them, who wants to rescue them from their own sin, from their own path of destruction that is not only leading them into a life of destruction, but it is destroying the lives of other people around them as well. And you're willing to even risk their disapproval, even to risk their hatred in order to be able to show them the true love of Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, this is difficult for me. My personality is so wired to uh, to be a peacemaker, to uh, 
to keep things conflict-free, to, to, to not offend as much as possible. And, and Lord, it is easy for me to abandon Your truth in order to seek the approval of others. I pray, Lord, that You would help transform my heart. That You would help transform the hearts of, of our family here today, this church. That each one of us would have a such a, a real encounter with You with the eternal beauty of, of who you are, with the boundless love that you have for each and every one of us, the, the, the unlimited truth and justice of your nature, that we would be so in love with you that there would be nothing Nothing that would get in the way of stealing those affections and distracting us to chase after the affections of others. Lord, we need Your Spirit. And, and, and I love that, uh, that that's part of this whole message is that when the Helper comes, the Spirit of truth moves in our hearts that we will be Your witnesses witnesses of your truth. Just with your eyes closed and in prayer, let me just say, um, maybe you haven't had that experience yet in your life that you haven't come to that place of knowing Jesus in that kind of a way, uh, of seeing His love for you um, that, 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 that comes to rescue you from the darkness and destruction of your life, uh, let me encourage you to talk with somebody today. That you too can experience the love of the Father that is perfect in every way, that, that takes us, that, 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 that comes and rescues us from the deepest, darkest hole that we would find ourselves in. It doesn't matter what we have done, His love reaches down to us and rescues us. But He also loves us too much to leave us there in that place. And instead, He transforms our heart and brings us to a place of living in the purity of His truth and His love. Let me encourage you. If you are ready to do that today, if, if God has been calling on your heart, let me encourage you to respond and receive Him today. If you still are, are uncertain and there are things that you, you have questions about of whether this can be true or real or, or any of that kind of stuff, let me encourage you, talk with somebody, with myself, with, with somebody that you came with today, with, uh, with Shirley or, or, or Harland or any of the other leadership that's in this church.
But don't leave here today without receiving that love for yourself. Receiving that forgiveness that, that will wash you clean and change everything that you are and set you on a path that will bring moment by moment, day by day, year by year, fulfillment and purpose and meaning and belonging and love and peace like you have never experienced in your life. Lord, I pray for those that are here that are in that place. Would your spirit be working? Would you be that witness and testimony in their heart that today they would respond and would receive you for themselves? Thank you for who you are. There is nothing that is more important to us than you. And we worship and honor you here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Shirley and Denny are going to come and they're going to lead us in a song that talks about that, that is a declaration of Jesus is all the world to me. Can we stand, please? Thank you, Laura.